sapat na si Jesus. That is Jesus is enough in Filipino. Shout out to not the Philippians. <laughs> the how do you say that? Philippine Filipinos. The Filipinos. Thank you. Shout out the to Filip- our brothers and sisters in Christ in, in the, the Philippines. Philippines. Not that we have any listeners from the Philippines. We may though. You know, you say that. I think when I was looking at our analytics one day, I think we had one listener from the Philippines. Yes. So again, sapat nasi Jesus, or I'm not sure how they say their J's, but. They probably had no idea you were speaking Filipino. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jesus is enough. You're listening to Grace Walk Radio. I'm your host, Derek Lewandowski, and I'm here with my bro, my co-host, Caleb Berg. Howdy. So uh, welcome back to our show. Uh, We just buttoned up the series last week on Reformed Theology. Uh, Caleb, we got some pretty good feedback from that. I thought people were encouraged. And uh, in particular, I think they were encouraged by uh, the grace that we were pointing out in Scripture to wrestle with this and not just be, you know, dogmatic about it, but let, you know, give room for people to wrestle or even disagree. Yeah, I think that's important. You know, when it comes to any... uh, discrepancy that someone might carry towards a certain theological leaning or whatever like let's let's have grace for each other it doesn't mean you have to agree on it it just means let's have grace for each other in the conversation let's let's not like beat each other up with our fists over it there's just no point that would be a good practice in a lot of areas of life and culture right now really really would uh, but we won't get into that. Um, but we will get into our dun 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 dun. It is time for our fantasy football update with Derek and Caleb. We should come up with like a actual segment intro for that. Yeah, we got to name it something, and then like have like actual kind of- music. I mean, we are musicians who record. You know, we sh- we should have something, or at least one of us should be quietly singing in the background. <laughs> So listen, the headline is, and, and, and listen, I got to be honest, this all comes from, I am now, um, my, my son is vicariously speaking to you through me, okay, <laughs> Reese. So he's been listening to the podcasts, um, and he's heard a lot about what you said, especially how he was the Titanic that hit the iceberg. <laughs> yep. You're, of course, to our listeners, Caleb's fantasy football name is Icebergs of Wrath. Yeah. Um, and uh, what he, the, the only thing he wanted to make sure I pointed out, okay, was that uh, he is ahead of you in the league yeah. right now. He is, but he also lost to me. So <laughs> let's just remind him of that. He lost to me. He and, did. And, uh, you know, I, I continuously remind him of that, but it was a good week for me. I won this past weekend yeah. um, to Jerry's rad team. He's uh, a wrestling coach from Michigan. All right. Friend I'm glad I beat him. I don't know him from Adam, but uh, yeah, I, I beat him by about 27 points. So it's a good day for me. And that that's all with having a quarterback who normally does extremely well, who did a poor job this past weekend. So, Yeah, you know, um, being a Miami Dolphins fan, uh, and by the way, uh, Hang in there, listeners. We're almost through this painful <laughs> fantasy football update. Um, being a Miami Dolphins fan, you know, you kind of in an NFL universe, NFL way, you know, kind of football hate the rivals in your league, uh, in your division. And, of course, the Patriots, who have won like 16 out of the last 17 AFC East titles and numerous Super Bowls. You all know about the Patriots. You all know about Tom Brady. One of the things that I would say is I don't care if the Dolphins go 1-15, 
as long as that win is against the New England Patriots. <laughs> and uh, I, I say that to say, I, I think that's kind of how, that, that's kind of the rivalry that you and Reese have right now. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. You know, honestly, for me, it's a win if, uh, if if all I do is beat Reese, uh, it's a good season for me. I could end up, I could end up two and whatever our uh, however long our league lasts. Uh, I might not even make the playoffs. I'll I'll be happy with that. Well, you already got that, so I guess your season is complete. I, I have to play him again, though, don't I? Do we uh, play each other twice. Possibly, uh, it's possible you don't too. I, I don't know how the schedule okay. lays out there, but but I do know that I'm in first. So not, yeah. not bragging or nothing, but you know, just wanted it, to point it, that it, out. Footnote: <laughs> It's going to be an interesting season because uh, all three of us are in the top four right now. Yeah, so we'll see how it how it ends. Let's see. It's, you know what it is? It's a good opportunity to love one another. Yeah. In Christ and yeah. despite our difference. Okay, let's not make this so spiritual, but let us move on to our topic. You know, it, is a, it is a good opportunity for you as a father to, <laughs> to uh, you know, just build some common uh, good practices. I don't know why I said common. Some good practices in your son to love others and to maybe not have any idols or, you know, just, just a good, good chance to parent your, your son through this. In a gospel-centered way. Yeah. Oh, wait, isn't that our topic today? Oh, oh, it is. Hey, part one of gospel-centered parenting. We're actually starting a series on parenting, um, and the topic to start is gospel-centered parenting. And I'm guessing this, this topic is going to take us probably two or three weeks, but... Um, Let's get right into it. What are we trying to do as parents? What, as Christian parents, what are you trying to do? What are you praying for? Well, Paul prayed in Ephesians 3 for his spiritual children that they would have the strength to comprehend with all the saints the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's pretty good focus. That's pretty good goal. Um, our, our hope, our prayers for our children is that uh, they would have the power to comprehend the gospel, not just, not just in a mental ascent way, but in their hearts, that it would it would win their hearts, that their hearts would own it. It would go into the deep places of their lives. And uh, that sometimes is a sloppy path. Sometimes uh, your kids don't look like, you know, polished, uh, you know, little Christian dolls. Uh, sometimes they blunder. Sometimes they stray. Sometimes they fail. And um, But if our aim is that our kids would, would comprehend the gospel, let us not freak out as parents who pray for our children. Let's pray that God uses all the circumstances of their lives to bring them into that understanding of grace. And I'm, I'm going to use Romans 6.14, I think, as the, the theme scripture for the next couple of weeks, uh, because I think this, this also says something as to what the goal should be of Christian parenting, gospel-centered parenting. It says, for sin shall have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Uh, that's the, uh, the ESV. Um, I think it's the NIV that says, you know, the more famous translation, sin shall not be your master, for you are not under law, but under grace. So a couple things there. But, I mean, isn't that what we want for our kids? We don't want sin to master our children. We want them to be free from sin and its power. Yeah. Okay? How do we do that? Well, some parents say, well, it, it's my job. I've got to really protect my kids from the big bad world, and I've got to protect my kids from culture. And and then there's this, there's this tendency or this temptation to be escapist and maybe, maybe over-shelter our kids and practice abstinence to the point where you lose the opportunity even to coach your kids through culture. Not going to talk about that a lot today, but but uh, I think I just want to point that out, that that, is, that are some of the reactions I think that Christians' parents have to the world, to sin, to culture, 
Um, and, and I think it's because of our hatred of sin, right? It's, it's because of our hatred of uh, the, the thing that could destroy them. Like God said to Cain, sin is crouching at the door, but you must master it. But how do we master it? Okay, that, that's the point. It says it right here. For you are not under law, but under grace. So what is the great secret? What is the great uh, method, resource, maybe? No. What's the right word here? To, <laughs> to help your kids walk in victory over sin. Let's read the verse again. Sin shall not be your master, for you are not under law, but under grace. Ah, there it is. It's being under grace. That is the goal of Christian parenting. That is the goal of gospel-centered parenting. That The, the primary focus and, and, and effort and energy spent in our instruction should be to teach them to live under grace. That's where the power is, Caleb. That's the yeah. engine. Yeah, so, you know, as a, as a father who, you know, I've got one child. She's six years old. So in many ways, it, it, I will... I just feel like a, a novice. Um, maybe you always feel like that. I don't know. But um, I, I've wrestled with this over the last six years. Like, I've, I've, I know my goal has always been to raise a child who lives under grace, but I think that I've gone about it at times in ways that were um, not so healthy or not so well. Like, especially early on, it was this idea of, like, complete absolute submission. Like, so I don't ever want my daughter to sin. Well, that's not what this verse is saying. Sin shall not have dominion over you. doesn't mean she'll never sin. And so I'm trying to like squash all the sin out of her in a way. Like, you know, I, I, maybe I put up so many rules and protective boundaries that um, there's no chance for external sins. There's still that internal uh, fact that she was born in sin. Hmm. So it's not what comes into the mouth that defiles. It's what's in the heart, uh, what comes out that defiles. Um and as I continue to grow in knowledge of grace, um, I'm beginning to see like this more gospel-centered approach of what I actually want my daughter to learn is not – it's going to sound funny, but just hear me out. I don't want to actually teach her not to sin. I actually want to teach her what the gospel says mm-hmm. through that and that she has um, a hope in Christ. Uh, so I'd rather have her be – completely surrounded by the gospel, surrounded by grace, um, than just an absence of sin in her life because she could be the most righteous, -righteous Mm self-righteous person in the world and go to hell. Mm -hmm. And I don't want that for her. And kill Jesus. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or hold the cloaks of those who are stoning Stephen, right? Ask Paul. Yeah, Um, yeah, so we're not just after the external, you know, the gospel is not after the external. It's about the heart. It's about the motives of the heart. It's about not just doing good works, but the reason for which you're doing good works. And and we're going to get into all that and how that plays out in parenting and how that plays out in, in discipling children. Um, let's set the context, right? Uh, your kids and mine are born sinners. They're addicted to self-salvation from birth and self-lordship. And we need the gospel uh, to break in and break them out of that. And, and, and I, I guess I want to say uh, there's a danger in talking about this topic where, you know, you're all going to listen and go, okay, all right, so if I do that, everything will turn out well? Okay, listen. Salvation is a supernatural experience. It, is, it requires the grace of God. 
I don't care how good your methods are. I don't care if you take good notes today and put it all into practice. It's up to God. So, we, yeah, we need to do what we can. We need to preach the gospel. We are a means of grace as parents to our children. Dads, in some ways, and I, I would just say this to parents in general, you're, you're, the, you're the, your kid's first look at God, right? And that's why a lot of times people grow up with this busted, broken view, this, this fractured view of what God looks like, this, this aberrant picture of what God looks like, because uh, parents who represent God in some way early on in children's lives presented this horrific picture of authority and, 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 and a father and, and, and love. And, you know, I've had people say to me, when it comes to the Godhead, I love Jesus, I love the Holy Spirit, don't like God the Father. And it's because of a, oftentimes a broken or even abusive family situation. Um, so our kids are born uh, broken, they're born in sin, and it's only the power of God and the grace of God that, that rescues them. So as we talk about this, let's remember that we are utterly in, you know, depending upon the grace of God to save our children. We can be a means of giving them that grace, but it's God who, in a sense, sets fire to the altar, right? Like with Elijah and the prophets of Baal. It's God who brings fire down from heaven on the altar. And so let's remember that and not put so much pressure on ourselves that we literally are trying to take the place of God or looking for that quick, easy um, testimony, you know, like, hey, Johnny, you know, mommy says when he's four years old going to bed, um, do you want to... Do you want to spend eternity with mommy in heaven, you know, worshiping Jesus? Or do you want to spend eternity burning in hell, in darkness, away from your family? Well, mommy, I, I want to, I want to, okay, let's pray this prayer. He's saved. Just, we rush, right? We rush yeah. because we, we love our kids so much. Let the Holy Spirit work yeah. through the gospel. So, but let's remember, our kids are sinners, addicted to self-salvation. It's grace alone that rescues them. It's the yeah. power of God. And by the way, before I want to hear what you have to say, but I should add to my resume. I've got I've got six kids. Um, my oldest is twenty two, second oldest is twenty, and I've got kids right down to age ten. Um, and also, we have a a girl that we treat as our daughter. We've been loving her for the last decade in uh, in Uganda and serving her as well. So uh, I even understand, um, you know, uh, being a dad across ethnicity as well to uh to Susie in in Africa. So uh uh it it, it it's grace and we need we need yeah. grace to be parents. Absolutely. You know and the temptation I think with trying to rush them through it I think you know to see the best in people I, you know I can understand that you know you you want your kids saved you want your kids to experience all these wonderful things. Um but I would also at the same time not want to plant any false assurances in my daughter's head um, that somehow, I don't know, that, that just somehow um, she's fine. She's got to believe the gospel for herself. Like She's got to have a relationship with Christ. It can't be... Um, it can't be, well, I do all the right things on the outside. You know, I don't want to raise a religious, legalistic daughter. Um, I want her to hear the gospel constantly and to believe it. Um, and if that means it happens when she's 10, I'm okay with that. Um, ultimately, it's it's on God's timeline, not mine. Though as her parent, I wish that it was the moment she was born. Mm-hmm. You know, But um, I've entrusted her to God. You know, I remember the first time I held her, 
Um, you know, of course, we did the baby dedication service at the church that we were at at that time. But um, before even that took place, you know, the moment I held her for the first time, I dedicated her to the Lord. And, you know, I said, God, this is your daughter. Mm. I'm going to raise her um, fully dependent on your grace because I can't do it. But I, I dedicated her to the Lord in that moment. And so I trust that if if she's going to be a believer, it's going to be on God's timeline, not my timeline. Um, so I just continue to teach all of the gospel and proclaim it to her. Um, but I can definitely tell you she was born in sin. She is addicted to self-salvation and totally addicted to self-lordship. <laughs> and she's six years old. Yeah. And, you know, you see it every single day in interactions. Um, and those aren't moments for me just to crack down um, with only rules and regulations. It's a moment for me to teach her and, and proclaim the gospel to her. Um, and I, I said only because um, it is good to have rules and boundaries in your home. Yeah. It's good to have those things. She needs structure. I, I already noticed with Olive, she actually thrives in structure. Um, yeah. She doesn't do so well when we take the, the structures off. Yeah. yeah, and I want to talk more about that next week. Uh, the role of rules, the role of commandments and law in the home uh, Galatians 3.24 says the law is a tutor uh, to lead us to Christ, right? So um, being gospel-centered and teaching hit kids how to live under grace doesn't mean we throw the rules off. The rules are actually helpful in pointing them to Christ. We'll yeah. talk more about that next week. Um, but uh, just wanted to kind of get into this today. <laughs> One thing I did want to share, uh, just you made me think, you know, not wanting to give our kids false assurances and wanting to make sure it's, you know, it's really their repentance and faith in Christ that they, they own that. And, you know, that's why we practice believer's baptism yeah. at Grace Life. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, infant baptism, uh, even though I know it's a respected um, practice in some, you know, Reformed churches, um, sort of the uh, New Testament circumcision in their eyes, yeah. uh, you know, and it, be it so according to their faith, but you know, as I read scripture, I see uh, it's still, it, it really is the responsibility of each believer to publicly say, I belong to Jesus Christ, my faith is in the Lord, and, I, and I'm part of God's people through believer's baptism as well, even if you did receive uh, infant baptism. Uh, now, that said, uh, Charles Spurgeon's um, mother uh, once had a conversation with young Charles Spurgeon. <laughs> she said something to the effect of, uh, Charles, if you reject Jesus and his gospel, then I myself shall stand as a witness against thee on the day of judgment. I mean, you talk about shaking someone <laughs> into the reality of the coming <laughs> judgment and the need to repent and place faith in Christ. Um, so, uh, you know, let, let that be a, a lesson for all of us that, yeah. you know, we really need to be deeply concerned about our children's salvation and make sure that they... Uh, are brought to a place through the scriptures, through our our conversations, uh, and our and, and the, the centrality of the gospel in our home and our thinking and repeated conversations about that. We'll talk more about that as we get into this series, this podcast series. Uh, we need to make sure that we're pointing to Christ and uh, and their true conversion. Uh, so let's pray, and then uh, we'll uh, save the rest for there we go for next week. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that when your disciples came to you, they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And you said, pray this way, our Father. That the first thing that Jesus taught us to recognize in prayer was the family love that we have in the gospel, the family love 
of God, the fatherly love of God. So help us, Lord, to uh, really know and experience the love of the Father in our own minds and hearts, and uh, help us, Lord, to give the love of the Father uh, to our own family members and our own children, Lord, as we've been loved, and to, to build a culture of the Father's love, a culture of being under grace, a culture of mercy, uh, a culture where we are motivated by gratitude and worship uh, and faith, not by fear uh, or just um, uh, frightful compliance, uh, but, Lord, that we would win the hearts of our children, that the gospel would win the hearts of our children. Help us, Lord, to have wisdom. And as we get into the series more in the weeks ahead, Lord, help us sanctify us as parents, make us wise, and help us to lead our homes well, and uh, give us the tools and the resources we need uh, in belief and practice uh, to bring and maximize the glory uh, of your name to our homes. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.